Hello, and welcome to Indiana Issues, the weekly public affairs program where we go beyond the headlines and sound bites to bring you Indiana Zeus makers in their entirety. I'm your host, Abdul Kim Shabazz, the editor and publisher of IndiePolitics.org. Today on Indiana Issues, the intersection of media and politics. Indiana Issues is underwritten in part by the Indiana Conference of Mayors, our trust local program, the Indiana Chamber of Commerce, Ivy Tech Community College, the small business law firm with Rashford, Bushman, and Vocal, the Institute for Quality Education, the Indiana Civil Rights Commission, and Downtown Comics, your place to escape. You're listening to Indiana Issues. When I started Ivy Tech, I lacked the confidence to do what I do now. They gave me confidence. And they helped me know that I could do anything. It actually puts you out there with the people that you're going to be working for. When we hire a graduate from Ivy Tech, we know that that individual is going to come to us very knowledgeable. A student can in two years get a degree that prepares him for a job. It's a partnership. And that's been great for us. and It's been great for them. I'm doing things now I never dreamed I'd be doing years ago. Do you want an investment that is sure to pay off? For Hoosier businesses, there's no better deal than membership in the Indiana Chamber. Members get free sales leads, human resource consulting, and access to a PR resource center. And that's just for starters. The Indiana Chamber is 800,000 employees and 5,000 companies strong, with room for many more. Take advantage today to receive benefits that will help your company thrive. Call 800-824-6885 or visit indianachamber.com. I'm a single woman with a full-time job and a high credit score, but was recently turned down for a loan. I was denied a promotion where I worked because of a previous injury. I couldn't get into the grocery store because the entrance was not wheelchair accessible. The Indiana Civil Rights Commission reminds you that discrimination still happens. If you feel that you have been the victim of discrimination, call the Indiana Civil Rights Commission at 1-866-332-4748 or visit our website at in.gov ICRC. This message is brought to you by the State of Indiana Civil Rights Commission. Welcome back to Indiana Issues. I'm your host, Abdul Kim Shabazz, the editor and publisher of IndiePolitics.org. Well, when it comes to politics and messaging, what actually goes into that process and how does it work? Well, for that, we spoke with two media communications consultants, Blair Englehart of the Englehart Group and communications consultant, Lindsay Hake. So let me ask you folks, uh, how would you rate the political communications landscape? Uh, Lindsay, we'll just start with you these days. I think there's always um, a client out there who needs guidance. There's always going to be um, an appetite for folks to have advice. Whether they take it, of course, is the ad nauseum question. Uh, I think there will always be that um, appetite. However... That said, this is a new landscape for a lot of us who have been in this uh, in this political sphere for a few decades. Uh, it's really kind of what goes goes, and the, the rules have been redefined. So it's I, it's an exciting time to be part of it. Blair, how would you define the landscape? Well, things have changed, obviously. It used to be 20 years ago, you know, 30 when I was starting to get in the business when I was Lindsay's age. Uh, we had to go sell a story. To the media. We literally had to go make an appointment, take them to lunch, take them a bottle of bourbon, whatever. We had to go buy them a cigar. (laughs) Exactly. We had to go sell a story. Okay. Today, that's not so much, it's that's not the case because the internet and everything's all out there. Okay. Uh, The problem we have today is the legitimacy of good political newscasters. They're like hen's teeth. Okay. There's maybe one or two legitimate in Indianapolis, to be honest with you. After that, it drops down. There might be one in Fort Wayne and Evansville, but there's very few legitimate political newscasters in the state of Indiana these days. Now, what uh, I would argue, and, and part of that is the reason because because the, dyna- the, the, the dynamics of how we deliver news has changed. Right. 
And folks, where you would have like a, a city hall report who'd been there for 25, 30 years. Heck, heck, now you're lucky to have somebody who's been there for one or two years. But my point is, if I've got a story to sell, I've got three people to call in the state of in in, in Marion County. I got three people. After that, it drops down. So you got to create your own story. Lindsay? I think it's really tough right now to find meaningful coverage, too. Right. Uh, you know, anybody can throw a story out there and get coverage, but is that coverage going to be meaningful for that candidate, i.e., can you use that on your social? Is the, <clears throat> is the lead good? Is the headline great? Is the metadata awesome? If it's not, you're not going to be use, able to use it on social. You're not going to be able to get that, um, get the reporter's money's worth out of it, too. They want the coverage and, and the um, expose as much as, you know, the candidate wants the coverage. So I always try to make sure if it's um, going to be coverage, I'm going to go out and and spend my time on, it's going to be coverage that that candidate can utilize. And then, therefore, you start building that relationship with the reporter. I don't care if it's a political reporter or if it's someone covering the newsroom. Like, sometimes we don't have a choice. Right. We just got to go with what we got. And so I've developed a lot of meaningful relationships that way. Our guests on the program today are uh, communications consultant Blair Engelhardt and Lindsay Hake, uh, both communications consultants. So we're just going to talk about uh, communications, consulting, uh, sort of the media and then the whole political world. Uh, Blair, like I said, you've been in this business for a while. How has technology changed how you do your job? <laughs> it's, it's, it's just crazy. And it, it, it's changing literally as we're having this interview right now. I mean, try to be a political consultant and get a Facebook page for your, for your candidate up and running. It is, I've built homes quicker than I have been able to get up and running on Facebook. They, the, they've changed the algorithms literally on a daily basis. The paperwork is killer. I mean, you know my partner, Ray. Literally, Ray spends almost all day fixing Facebook issues. So it, it's changed. Uh, I think uh, you've got uh, all various platforms, and I, it's so sporadic. But, you know, when we were growing up, we had the three networks, right? And that was about it. I mean, God bless Walter Cronkite. And that's all we had. And today, it's just it's, it's, it's a fart in a skillet. Everything's out there. Right. Now, Lindsay, how, how, how does the, the, the change in technology make it easier or difficult for you to do your job? Uh, I would say it makes it tremendously easier. Uh, whereas before, you know, I started on the very tail end days where we were still sending faxes for press releases. And that was, um, you know, I watched, I came into the state house and the media relations department for the house Democrats in 2007. And we were still at that point sending all of our releases out by basically mass facts. I remember there used to be mailboxes in the governor's press office. Yes. And so that was still a thing. Um, you know, we were we had all been on Facebook and social for like four or five years, um, but the uh, state house was slow to believe that social was a thing. Mm-hmm. And so there's chit chat going. But I believe, um, and you know, you didn't weren't able to take part in it, officially at least. And so that was, uh, that was kind of fun watching the dawn of that. It did make my job easier and getting the media out there. Also, so it changed media landscape completely because I also work as a public information officer, as a civilian for the Air Force uh, Auxiliary, the Civil Air Patrol. And working as a public information officer has also changed exponentially. When you're out there getting your information out, that's we usually depend on media partners to help with that. But we can get our information directly out from the source and taken right from social, taken right from the horse's mouth. The reporting is not even to be interpreted. It's just data out there ready to go. And that's the same. We can apply that principle same to the candidates. This is what I said. 
this is here it's for public dissemination take it for what it's worth and i think there's incredible value in that Blair, has social media on technology made the candidate's life jobs easier? Oh, absolutely. I mean, let, let's take a perfect example. Uh, Suzanne Crouch comes out with her Axe attacks. Well, you know, all these other guys can bitch about it all they want. Democrats can bitch all about it. But whose name's been on everybody's tongue for the last month or the last three weeks? Hers. Not nobody else. Nobody else but hers. Now, you've got all the pundits. You've got... The morning guy here that just thinks that's crazy, and maybe it doesn't work. Maybe they've got to rework that whole thing, is because they're going to have to. The numbers just don't add up. But guess what? She controlled the media. She controlled the internet and the political news ever since they came out with it. And it's hard to argue with that. No, whether she's right or wrong, she controlled it, and she couldn't have done that without without uh, the new media platforms. She leaned into it too. It's it's its own. It's got its own drop down on her website, and the what may not be important to her, but for a bunch of policy geeks like us behind the curtain, the the what is very important. The how is even more important, and that's why I think the only uh, downstream conversation that's left from that big old punch she threw out there was all of us wondering how the heck is this going to happen? Because <laughs> we know the revenue streams. We how, how do you close an eight to twelve billion dollar budget gap? I mean, you've also had Re- Nikki Kelly made a great point in her piece last week that Republicans have had control of this process for here on almost twenty years, and. There's all of a sudden this $8 billion hole in the budget that we can find, quote, bloat. I don't believe it. Our guests on the program today are Blair Englehart and Lindsay Hake. They're both communications consultant, one more conservative, other more progressive. Uh, so we asked some in studio today just to talk about the political landscape from a sort of a media uh, communications perspective, whether it's social media uh, or the whole nine yards. Uh, Lindsay, let me ask you, uh, in, a, in, the, in, the, in the new political con- communications universe, is there anything, uh, as such thing as bad publicity anymore? Oh, 100%. <laughs> that still exists. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, there's also, I think because of the way that despite the commentary being out there, you'll see stories on Twitter formerly or formerly X. known as Twitter, now X. I want to make sure I call it the proper style, the style book recommendation. Uh, but no, it's important to know that there's a lot out there that you, if you're paying attention to, can anticipate what your next move will be. And so, yes, there always is bad publicity to be had. That's 100 percent sure. Um, but if you're smart about it and you're listening to all of those sources out there, you'll be ready for it. And if you, something catches you by storm, you're not paying enough attention you're not keeping your not listening to your staff you're not listening to your critics and that's an important important skill to remember there's always always um for me at least there's always been an extreme benefit to listening to all critics right blair I, yeah, it, it's. I think any any sizable campaign is going to have a crisis management person on the team at some point because I think Lindsay and I both, we've worked on enough campaigns. Something bad's going to happen in every campaign we do, okay? Whether it's a mayor's campaign I'm running or congressional, something bad is going to happen, and you got to be able to get out in front of it first, and that's where crisis management comes in. Um, you look at the, I mean, who would have believed, God bless him, that Curtis Hill would be running for governor after what he went through? He's got an uphill battle, uh, and he's got certain 
people backing him, but who would have thought that would have happened? That's bad news, but he's he's coming out of it. He's getting publicity. He's a legitimate candidate, but you know that never would have happened years ago without social media because with the social media, he's able to get all the, the right-wing groups uh, together and get them to back him. Ten years ago, that would not have happened. Also, I think it's interesting, when, uh, when I did my uh, mayoral run, the day I announced... Uh, my Democratic friends put out uh, a news release of all the tweets I'd written, right. uh, or, or, or a handful of tweets, and it was. Let's you, you bring up the you bring up the perfect example of being able to anticipate, because one of the questions me and my you know rag rag ragamuffin rebellion team had put together <laughs> like a duel. Well, you've written a lot of stuff for twenty years, like yeah. So what are you going to say about it? somebody asks you like yeah I wrote it? Why first of all why lie? Right. Because it's right there in black and white. Like, did you mean at the time? No, some of it I meant. Some of it was for effect. It just depends on what the circumstances were. I think that unknown too, as to because you are a you are a different kind of candidate, right? <laughs> <laughs> to, to put it mildly. <laughs> and so I I'll, I will expect that in a few years when you run again, you'll have my endorsement on your page, and it right. will not be intended. It will just be I'm a different kind of candidate. <laughs> but any case, no, I think that's I think that uncertainty is what fed that concern. And I do also have to say that I have held held you accountable for a, for a few certain posts you've made on your. <laughs> Social, 100. Um, percent uh, Any case, no, that's exactly what you need to prepare for. And uh, if you don't have a crisis manager ready to go, you're going to be behind the ball already. And so, having someone who has experience in crisis management, crisis comms, yeah. having someone who knows how to deal with, also being able to reassure candidate that right. hey, this is not terrible. You could have a lot worse right now. Um, you're not in jail. I'm not, or you know, depending on the crisis. I always define a crisis as something unexpected. That's not necessarily how we were planning on things going, and that could be a lot of things. So it could be a parking ticket. It could be anything. Um, but as long as you have someone who's ready to manage a crisis like that, then you won't be behind the game and looking. Right. You you just don't want even to have that, to spike that concern that, hey, so-and-so is looking for a crisis comms person. Like, then you're like, oh, well, what's now? Yeah. And, and Blair, it's interesting. Uh, you bring the, Lindsay brought that up because I want to say it was like 20, 30 years ago, uh, it was an editorial cartoon in the Charlotte Observer. Uh it was like it was a nuclear power plant, mm-hmm. and the guys like, "Hey, we have a crisis," and so they had the PR guy behind the glass with a briefcase and a big smile in case of emergency, break glass. Right. Well, listen. You know, you always hear the terms. Let's get out in front of it. Well, you know what? Sometimes you just let it sit. Okay, too. You've got you get. It's not always best to get out in front of it. Sometimes you just kind of let it just filter away and kind of go bye bye. Um, Sometimes addressing it can make it worse. Exactly. Sometimes some, it can exacerbate the situation if you're going after it. But that's where the communications people start spinning. hate to use that word spin, but that's what we do. And spinning the message to uh, well, get it out there. Which brings up an interesting question, which is, when do you react and when you, when don't you react? Or, really, or, is it, or, just, or just does it depend I mean, on the situation? It totally depends. I, it, it really depends. It, it's an as-needed basis. It, it really depends. I mean, I mean, there's some things you can you got to get out in front of. I mean, but there's other things that you can just kind of let... I mean, there's some issues going on at the State House right now. They're just kind of under the current, right? Uh, but you look at what's gone on at the State House over the years. My God, it's it's... It's crazy. So yeah, you got to pick and choose, and that's probably the hardest thing to do is uh, is but is determine how to how to deal with that. Let it lay or go after it. 
Blair Englehart, Lindsay Hake, our guests on the program today. Uh, they're both communications consultants in the world of politics. That's what we're kind of talking about uh, on the program today, communications, media, uh, political universe, the whole nine yards. Uh, Lindsay, uh, getting back to sort of that, that crisis communication type thing, when you first get work, how do you, how do you advise a client on how to deal with uh, something that, that, that could potentially blow up or is blowing up? I think the first bit of advice I would give to anybody who's facing a crisis would be to tell the truth and tell it quickly. That's the number one rule I teach in my crisis communications, either as seminars or courses or even ad hoc with a, a client. Um, but I think it all, again, really depends on what's going on in front of you, who knows it, and what you plan to do from here on forth, uh, from here forth. And and that's it really depends on what that particular issue is. If it's involving the legal system, you have to be incredibly careful. And You don't say. <laughs> in, other words, so, in other words, STFUP. Well, um, that <laughs> Donald brings, Trump. Mm-hmm, that brings... I've Rudy Giuliani. Con- <laughs> yeah, I've had this conversation about this many times now. Unfortunately, sometimes your your client is his worst enemy, his own, her own worst enemy and that's i think a scenario we've got here which is surprising to me i've seen him come off the campaign trail essentially that was surprising to me uh i didn't expect him to not appear in the debate i didn't expect him to cancel his press conference it was this about uh, 10 days ago he canceled his press conference was that trump "Mm -hmm." oh i fully expected it see this was this general i mean rule number one in political consultant if you're leading don't go to a debate. I mean, there's nothing good, nothing good that's bad. I mean, it's just you can bad only can hurt happen. yourself you, if you're leading the way. Don't go to the debate because only bad things can ha- say abate debate. <laughs> I got uh, you. Only bad things can happen. And we saw that a little bit. We've seen that this year in the mayoral. Well, we saw that last year in I, the Secretary of State. Yeah, I mean, Hogs. If there's, I can't see him debating Shreve, but if he does, good. I mean, that's okay. I, I'd be up for that. Me too. Um, speaking of speaking of debates and, and that whole thing, uh, how do you spin a debate? Because obviously, because remember when I did the U.S. Senate debate a few years ago, the, the primary between uh, Todd Rakita or Theodore Rakita, Luke Messer, uh, and Mike Braun. <laughs> I remember. Me. I remember saying at the very beginning. Okay, number one, everybody won because we'll we'll get you with your declarations out the way. And by the way, we're not going to talk about guns, not going to talk about abortion, not going to talk about this because guess what? They all agree. So we're going to talk about X, Y, Z. So I, I guess my question is, how do you, how do you spin a debate? Well, seeing how a debate is nothing but spin to begin with. It, real easy. You hire a pollster, you do the poll five days before the debate, and you've got the, all the empirical data you need for your debate. It's right there in front of you. You can you can access the poll, say, hey, we got a legitimate pollster from Edwards or Ragnar or whoever, okay? Here's our empirical data. That's how you spin it, because now you've got facts, not just thoughts. So, you know, you got to remember at this level for Hogsett and Shreve, they don't literally go to the bathroom without polling about it, okay? I know that's rude, but... They poll everything. What color tie to wear? What I mean, it's it's everything because at that level they don't want to take any chances because of the millions of dollars invested in their campaigns. They don't want to take any chances. So, I'm just glad to see a fellow political observer across the aisle who believes in polling and data and research and empirically tested information uh, because that's not necessarily the environment we're living in right now where polling matters. That's it's been poo-pooed many times by many in the conservative media who don't believe that polling is of worth. And we've seen candidates poo-poo it, too. So I, I joke and say we all hate polls until we don't. 
Exactly. <laughs> Imagine that. Our guests on the program today, Blair Engelhart, Lindsay Hake, uh, political consultants, communications folks. So we're kind of talking about sort of communications, politics, and all the fun stuff uh, in between. Uh, let's let's talk about the mayor's race here uh, in Indianapolis for a little bit. Uh, like I said, no conservative, progressive. You guys got your candidates. I totally understand that. But uh, from a from a from a political practitioner perspective, how do you think, Lindsay, the messaging has gone in this mayor's race? Well, I think it's doing. We're doing great with with um, Mayor Hogsett. He's getting all of his points out there that Indianapolis has a lot to be proud of. And man, I don't think I've ever seen a worse run race than Jeff Shreve's race. It's speaking of debate spin, the promo he put out today, uh, Tuesday, as we, on, as we record this conversation, mm-hmm, uh, was just nothing but a feature on how he did in the quote debate at the Hobnob last week, which was curiously picked. It was the way the the gorgeous slow mo video. You'd think he was in a hot debate between him and Mayor Hogsett, but that was you and I both know not the scenario at that event. And um, no matter what the conversation was about how that developed i i don't know i wasn't part of those inner conversations as to whether or not that was supposed to be a quote debate or it wasn't i do not know uh, maybe you all know more but uh it was interesting the way he spun that as being you know the valiant victor out of a quote-unquote debate that didn't happen blair well first of all i mean i'll i'll just let it out jefferson's a friend of mine um i ran jack sandlin's campaign when he beat uh jefferson shreve and I mean, it was Jack Sandlin just ran one of the best campaigns. I think I want to go back for a second. I think we got to remember that no matter what we think as consultants, it's always the the candidate's campaign. They have the final word, so we might disagree with something, but they always have. It. So let me go back to truth. Anyway, I. I I never criticize a campaign internally because I don't know what the thought processes are that go into their 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 ideas and they're especially the creative. Uh, again, everything's done with polling, so it's how. I mean, who am I to criticize polling that's going on about Jefferson doing this? Um, I'm a little. I'm uh, some of the creative to me is a little soft. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I'm hoping Jefferson comes out harder. I know Jefferson's team. I know the people that are backing him, and they're they're good, solid, quality people. I'm expecting more to come out. Uh, I, 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 uh, the production value is is good. It's decent, but I, I'm expecting. Um, I think we've got a lot of time and a lot of money between now and November. I mean, we're going to see. If you think we got tired before, we're going to see millions of dollars spent. Well, I remind people that early voting is only about a little over a month away and some change. So, Yeah, and it's going to be interesting whether we have even have decent voter turnout. I'm not convinced we're going to be over 23 24% voter turnout, even with everything that's going on. Um, you know, the presidential next year is, is going to... Uh, who knows about that? It's already sucking the oxygen out of oh, the room. It is. It, 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 she's right. The, the presidential race is sucking the air out of every, all the races. I mean, look what we've got going on up at the fifth, right? Uh, congressional district for the Republicans. I mean, it's a free for all up there, and <laughs> we've got we've got others around the state. But you know, it. it anyway, you get it. I prefer clown car. <laughs> I have another term I like to use, but we'll, but, but, but I think clown car is probably the best best probably the best. Be, we got to be nice right. for radio. I don't want to get you fined. Uh, but what, what did you bring up an interesting point on, on the presidential race? Because obviously, you know, Donald Trump is his own is his own creature, his own thing. Whether you, whether you love the guy or, or hate the guy, but apparently something Donald Trump, I thought it was interesting. 
Uh, he, he kind of sort of laid the seeds a couple years ago, saying, don't believe what they say about the race. This race is stolen. They're going to try to steal and do everything, blah, 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 blah. And he said it enough times that enough Republicans, at least according to polling, once again, that empirical data that they were all up to cite, have, have declared him the, the front runner, and not by, not by like a nose or head, but by like five or six like fields. Yeah. Well, for the record, I, I, as a Republican and more as a moderate, as you know, the, the election was not stolen. I mean, Abdul Lindsay, that would have to be the biggest conspiracy in the history of the world. And it actually had to be a conspiracy that actually worked. It uh, means everybody I mean, kept their mouths bigger shut. Bigger than Rome falling and catching on fire, bigger than, I mean, it, there's nothing in the history of, of the world that's been, would be bigger. And can you imagine what it would have taken to coordinate? I mean, <laughs> sorry, it just... You know, was there some going on in individual places? Absolutely. It happens all the time. But was there a major conspiracy? I, I, I just can't conceive of that. I hope the legislature hears him because I've I've heard more drama coming out of the House and Senate Elections Committee suggesting that that, in fact, occurred in 2022. Um, it's it's sad to me because even some of our laws that were pad, passed this year were in a reaction uh, were reaction to this controversy that's living in people's heads and tinfoil hats. Right. And, and, and it's interesting, too, from also from the perspective talk about talk about your conspiracies to 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 I, 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 like I said, covered government for 30 years. I actually grew up in it because my dad worked in the military. To attribute that type of intellectual acumen to government folks, I'm sorry, folks. It ain't there. It, it just ain't. I share your feelings without <laughs> saying the same words. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. Our guests in the program today, Blair Engelhart, Lindsey Hake, uh, communications consultants in the world of politics. We've got up with them for about five more minutes or so uh, on the program today. Uh, Blair, so... Uh, uh, help our audience out here. How can audiences be better consumers of political media? What, or or what, what, can, what can they do to become better consumers of political media? I, I'd say open their ears and don't go one path, one down one path uh, as much as, I mean, unfortunately, with the Internet uh, comes tribalism. I've never seen tribalism like this. You know, I saw it in college in my fraternity, Right. I mean, but I've never seen anything like this, the hatred, the vitriol that's out there. That's not healthy for anybody. Uh, it's not healthy for Republicans. It's not healthy for Democrats. It's certainly not healthy for because uh, let's face it. You go to the state house down the street. There are some wonderful people there who have done both on both sides of the aisle who have done wonderful things that have saved lives, saved lives and helped Hoosiers. We don't hear about that. OK, we just hear about the guy doing whatever. So we don't hear the good news that they're, I mean, Jim Merritt, the lifeline law, how many lives has Jim Merritt saved, right? Because of the lifeline law, who knows, but he saved lives. We don't hear about that. We just hear about, well, this guy's going after this and, and Jim Lucas is this. And we don't, you know, all we hear about is that negative stuff. If it bleeds, it leads. Lindsay, what can, how can people become better consumers of political media? I think it's in, up to each of us to own our own democracy, and that takes a certain amount of personal responsibility right. that many do not take it upon themselves to invest in outside of election time if they do invest in it. And that means knowing who your state rep is. It means knowing who your state senator is, who they can call, what services they offer help 
with. I think it's important to realize that many people do not realize what they can get help with from their state legislator. And that's important, too. They don't realize the difference between their congressperson or their state representative or their state senator or even even their governor. And so, you know, answering the emails at the statehouse, it was always really infuriating to me when people are writing me about this issue that only Congress can speak to. Or likewise, you know, where you had someone emailing you on an issue that, you know, your state rep was going to deal with and it was from the congressperson. They're like, hey, by the way, you should deal with this. You know, that was always really frustrating with me. And that's unfortunately the norm now. The folks need to do the same for their elections. And that means Indiana has more to do when it comes to sponsoring, sort of uh, invigorating the ability to take part in your own democracy, which is making it more widely available to vote, extending our voting hours, making it easier to register, having same-day registration. Those are types of policies that could really make a difference in how we invest in our future democracy here in Indiana. I also say having better candidates, too, also probably couldn't hurt. Never hurt. (laughs) Just throwing that out there. Our guests on the program today have been our good friends, Blair Englehart, Lindsay. Oh, by the way, uh, some wants to get a hold of you folks or maybe to procure your services uh blair how can they get a hold of you uh just facebook or engelhartgroup.com on is our website or uh you know just who knows just facebook email whatever you want to get hold. Lindsay? thank thank you for asking i don't usually do this because i'm usually by referral only um but if folks want to find me i'm on x formerly known as twitter at onward upward pr all right. Well, Blair Engelhart, Lindsay Hick, my friends, always good to have you here. Thank you very much for being with us. Thank you, Abdul. And that will do it for this edition of Indiana Issues. Remember, you folks, you can catch us throughout the week at our parent website, indiepolitics.org. Also, you can find us on Facebook and the website formerly known as Twitter, now known as X. Our Indy Politics handle is IndyPolitics.org. And don't forget, uh, you can catch us on television from time to time, our Indiana Issues television program, where we get together with our panel of political pundits and we talk about the big issues and sometimes the small issues of the day. You can find that on Comcast and on YouTube. Indiana Issues is underwritten in part by the Indiana Conference of Mayors and Trust Local Program, the Indiana Chamber of Commerce, Ivy Tech Community College, the Small Business Law Firm of Thrasher, Bushman & Vocal, the Institute for Quality Education, the Indiana Civil Rights Commission, and Downtown Comics, your place to escape. I'm your host, Abdul Kim Shabazz. Thank you for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time on Indiana Issues. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.